Welcome to the She Plays on Women's Football podcast. I'm your host Harry Chan. This episode is specifically designed to be more relevant to our current political climate. As I have said last week, the Swedish women's national team received backlash for kneeling before their kickoff, and so today I thought it would be appropriate. To take a deeper dive into the topic of protesting within sports, and in particular women's football, which I think is in such a unique position. Now, first of all, for some background, the criticisms that we saw online goes like this. First of all, not to bring politics into sports.、Uh, that's one line of criticism. Another line is for players to, who are representing their country, and they are paid therefore by taxpayer with taxpayers' money, so they should just quote do their jobs. And also players who don't understand the true implications of the Black Lives Matter movement, and of course you would see comments、uh, related to. Marxism and radical socialist agendas and etc. etc. The response from the Swedish national team was coherent. Players made it clear that they are protesting against racism, and will continue doing so to raise awareness on important social issues. And Captain Modellana Eriksson made it clear that they would do it again, and that the players are not the problem. Those who criticise them are, and the kneeling started by Colin Kaepernick. It was started in the NFL in the United States. Kaepernick is a quarterback who kneeled during the national anthem a few years back. Then it was later followed by Megan Rapinoe, who is of course a well-known. Player for the U.S. women's national team. At that time, of course, the backlash was severe against both of them. And as usual, in the arguments against whether a Swedish player or the Swedish team should have knelt, is as usual messy. So again, as per our tradition, we would divide our episode into a couple of questions. First of all, what does kneeling actually mean? The second, should players be supporting Black Lives Matter as a movement? Third, why was there such a big backlash over the Swedish women's team? And fourth, and lastly, why are female footballers so important in this conversation? So kneeling, the history, as we have said, Colin Kaepernick, a NFL quarterback, knelt when the national anthem was played, the U.S. national anthem. To show disapproval of the values represented currently by the flag, and at that time the Trump administration,、uh, in particular racism, and Rapino, of course, later followed. As we have said, both drew huge debates and backlashes. Democrats with a big D and progressives in general praised them for using their popularity and the platform to promote racial justice. Conservatives, Republicans. Criticised them for disrespecting the flag, and of course the values of the flag. 
and of the United States of America. What it meant back then in a way was not purely to respect the flag, that is kneeling was not just to disrespect the flag, but in a way to mourn the flag. It was meant to be a balance perhaps between skipping the national anthem by staying in the locker room, refusing to play, which the players are more than allowed to do. And instead they choose not to do so, but also not to stand in front of the flag. In a sense, it was to mourn the American values that are disappearing. So equality, freedom, and so on and so forth. It was particularly divisive at that time because people have, and still do, have different views of American values, of what the American dream or in general what American values are, what the flag represents. And then, therefore, whether the administration, the Trump administration, represented it. But then, the meaning changed in 2020, this year. This is after the killing of uh, the killing of George Floyd, when an officer knelt on his neck. And then kneeling took a new meaning. First of all, it is not just done when the anthem is played. Now, this is still done in the US in, in some sports games, but players also kneel before the game, regardless of whether the anthem is played. The second of all, kneeling is now not just to mourn the death of certain values, but to call out racism in a very symbolic way, that is representing how the said officer knelt on Floyd's neck. So. The conclusion here, perhaps, for kneeling is that athletes now kneel before the game as a form of silent protest against racism. Some raise an arm with a fist, some of you may have seen that, to symbolise the demand for justice. So the reason for kneeling back in 2016 when Colin Kaepernick and then Megan Rapinoe did it in the USA only was quite different from what kneeling meant now. And perhaps for some, it's not that easy to see. But we think this is why we need to clarify and make it clear to especially those who disagree with kneeling what it actually means in the first place. But now that the background is clear, we move on then to talk about whether Black Lives Matter as a movement, whether players should support it. Because most people who criticised the Swedish players had one overarching argument, that kneeling in support of Black Lives Matter is wrong or bad. And of course we explored their reasoning later. But as we have said, kneeling was never a symbol of Black Lives Matter, not a symbol of the particular political movement. The players kneeled to demand an end to racism where Black Lives Matter, on the other hand, is a diverse political movement that is founded to end racism. The difference sounds small, but it is significant. The players are focusing on raising awareness to the problem, racism. The Black Lives Matter movement focuses on the solution or the solutions. As said, kneeling conveys different messages. But in general, it is seen as a form of protest, 
against racism, instead of a symbol of the Black Lives Matter movement, it being a political movement. In any event, it is clear from the statements made by players like Erickson that they knelt to call out racism. However, we don't blame we don't blame fans, you know, for associating kneeling with the Black Lives Matter movement. In many ways, it is easier to understand, especially with politicians throwing out empty words and accusations. Now, first of all, saying Black Lives Matter and the Black Lives Matter movement is different. Black Lives Matter movement is a political movement, whereas Black Lives Matter is a call against racism. Black Lives Matter as a political movement, then, is also a diverse political movement. It is founded with the aim, of course, to end racism. But then there are different factions that support different solutions to end racism, from changing the system, rebuilding the system. For example, people talking about abolishing, reforming the police, to full-blown wealth redistribution. These are all, in a way, part of the Black Lives Matter movement spectrum. We don't aim to explore all these options. This is not a political podcast, but all we want to show is the inherent diversity of the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, given that some critics would say that the players should not support the Black Lives Matter movement by kneeling, we don't want to sidestep this by saying that the players were simply protesting against racism, especially when the difference between protesting racism and supporting the Black Lives Matter movement seems so small. So, for the sake of argument, we think let's say that the players knelt in support of the Black Lives Matter movement, which some players ultimately would. They could choose to do so or choose not to do so. Again, for the sake of clarity. No Swedish player, at least at this time, made it clear that they are kneeling to support the Black Lives Matter movement. They are kneeling in general to call out racism. But in any way, criticism mainly goes like this. We have mentioned it a bit earlier that the Black Lives Matter movement is an anarchist movement. That they promote Marxism. That they are radical socialists. First, players never express support for these ideologies. Again. Black Lives Matter movement is diverse, much like any political party. So you have traditional conservatives and what we call neoconservatives. Most ideologies or politics、uh, system operate on a spectrum instead of clear categories. But second, these jargons—Marxism, socialism, whatever—are mostly empty and only serve as a rhetorical device. They serve as rhetorics for politicians. Most people in Western countries, in particular, have not really seen how an anarchy, for example, operates, or how a Marxist society operates. Instead, all these terms are used whenever Western countries want to attack, correctly or not, countries like Russia, China, North Korea, in the past USSR, where people associate citizen status, associate them with terrible living conditions and terrible human rights record. Most politicians then misuse, in a way, these political jargons that are empty to create fear that you know our country will become like Russia and China. They don't say it, but what they're trying to do is to say, look at these countries, or even look at how USSR did, 
with socialism, with Marxism, and instilling fear, in a way, to the people. The point here is that anarchy, Marxism, radical socialist—all these words sound scary, but they tell you little, if anything, about a political movement or party. For example, the Black Lives Matter movement. We're not saying that the players support or not support any faction of the Black Lives Matter movement. Most of them kneel to raise awareness to the problem of racism. These players are not here to advocate for a certain solution, and again, probably it is not their job to advocate or to form a particular solution. That should go back to politicians. But then, even if they do, even if they are embracing certain solutions, throwing in empty political jargons on Instagram, on Facebook comments, isn't exactly meaningful, and we think that's more dismissive. Than anything, and last but not least, on this point, to address perhaps something that has been overly addressed in this argument, that is, players saying Black Lives Matter or kneeling in support or to call out racism. There are people who would say, for as many would have heard, all lives matter, or to say that well, white lives also matter. A lot of other lives also matter. Which we think a lot of people have addressed it way better than we will do, but in any event, we think it is necessary to mention it. That for anyone to say so is to simply disregard, first of all, what is happening in society. But second of all, it is to show that they do not know how to focus on particular problems because. As we might have said in other episodes, that inequality is an umbrella term. That sexism, racism, and other types of stereotypes, the other types of, of racism or other types of discrimination, all these are part of the inequality umbrella. And so, for us to say that racism is a problem. We also say sexism is a problem, but of course now we understand that we have to focus on racism first, because it is impactful. And more importantly, to say that all lives or other lives also matter is not in any way wrong. But to use that against Black Lives Matter, to use that against the Black Lives Matter movement, does not logically make any sense, because to say that something else. Also matters does not make your agenda or other people's agenda matter more or less. In a way, to say that, for example, white lives also matter is in no way wrong, but that doesn't mean black lives doesn't matter. It only means that both of them matters. And then, of course, you can say that means all lives matter, but that isn't exactly the case because of the situation in society, because of what is happening in front of us. So for anyone to say that there are the lives out there who you should also care about, I think we can all agree that that is true. But then at the moment, at least what the players want to is to raise awareness on racism. Perhaps in a few months' time, they'll be raising awareness on other issues, like they always do. In the previous months, they raised awareness on the NHS, on COVID nineteen, how to protect your families, and that is also very valid. So we think that to say there are other issues to care about isn't rebuttal. Against the Black Lives Matter movement, it is only to say you have your agenda, but the players have their own agenda. Next, the 
leading criticism with regards to the Swedish women's team is that the players represent their country and not just their club in this instance. And they're also being paid with taxpayers' money, so they shouldn't be promoting any political ideals. This claim is fundamentally wrong in several ways. First of all, it is the idea that one loses what essentially is free speech when paid by the government. This idea where someone cannot do or say something because you or a group of people pay their wages is not much different from slavery. Now, some say that the rights of players are limited when they represent their own country. Now, this is again far from the truth because no employee should be asked to give up their rights at the doors, literally, of their workplace. But dropping back just a bit, the second thing is that players are not promoting political ideals. As said, they are raising awareness to a problem, which is not a political problem, but simply a problem in society, not the solution, which, of course, is political. But the issue or the problem here is because politicians these days like to make the facts themselves political. So the severity of the pandemic whether racism actually exists, etc. Whereas in the past, the debate was more on policy, based on commonly accepted facts. For example, that the Soviet Union was a danger, or that nuclear weapons are powerful. Nowadays, it seems that debates are based on what the facts are, whether climate change actually exists, or whether racism is actually a real thing. So pointing out racism and the fact that it exists isn't and shouldn't be political. It is the solution that is very much political. Of course, how much government should intervene, whether they should pass new laws and etc. The second thing is another line of argument from the critics, that is to leave politics to politicians and that people don't need reminders of the reality. They just want to enjoy watching football. And I think this is understandable, but it doing so, in doing so, in, in many ways, you have to be very privileged to say so, meaning that this ignorance, your ignorance, is probably part of the problem. Again, the players are not merely products of entertainment. Simply because you or someone else paid them doesn't mean they have to do what you want and nothing else. In a sense, these players, especially these women players, as I've stressed, they earn their own platform through hard work. They can use it pretty much however they want. That is their free choice. And similarly, you have the right to not watch their games. That's also your free choice. But in a less extreme way, the players are not asking for that much. Simply for awareness to the issue, and ultimately public pressure on the government to change. Again, they're not expressing support for a particular policy or a particular party. Lastly, the reason why this is especially important for female players or athletes in general is that in a way linked with the backlash to the Swedish national team, some critics implied that girls should hold on to the opportunity to play and focus and in, uh, on, on fighting for gender equality, to focus on these so-called critical issues within their sector instead of intertwining themselves with politics. 
Again, as I've mentioned earlier, racism is under an umbrella known as inequality. Just like sexism, it is part of the inequalities created. So it is logically flawed to promote gender equality and not racial equality. But more importantly, female players or athletes are in an amazing position to advocate. Their supporters are mostly people who, we think to a certain extent, believe in gender equality. And we think that these people do not agree that there should be discrimination in society, and that should be the common ground. And of course, these players, they also have first-hand experience in the struggle to get equality, and arguably still struggling to get full equality. So we think that for the players, which they're doing now, to stand against all forms of discrimination, it is very important for them to continue to do so. And in a way, these events reflect, if anything, how people treat gender or racial equality. It is something that they think is granted out of generosity, instead of given at birth, like other people, and like what should be the case. When girls got to play football, some viewed it as, or some said that it was women being granted, quote-unquote, the right to play, when in reality they were deprived first of that right before it was restored, not granted. And therefore critics warn female players not to push too far, not to push too hard, to stay away from politics, to focus on sports only. And the implication behind is simple. What was granted can also be revoked. This is actually true but in an opposite way. Those who ask players to stay away from politics, stop kneeling or protesting, they have privileges that perhaps they don't see. Privileges are, however, granted by people in power, and they can be revoked by leaders in the future. These privileges to use sports as a gateway to escape from politics, to question whether racism is a problem, even if it exists, these privileges were gained at the expense of other groups, in women's football, girls, in racism, ethnic minorities. What we can see, though, through this event, through these outcries, is that when the critics start complaining about what Eriksson, the Swedish captain, and her teammates who knelt before the game, those people, those critics, probably expected backlash and repercussions against the team, against the players. The critics, many of whom are in a position of privilege, to ignore politics, to doubt the seriousness of racism, were perhaps unconsciously trying to make use of their privilege to overpower the women's team. But instead, they were met with firm statements from the captain, the football association, and many more supporters. Perhaps unconsciously, though, the team gave the critics a hard lesson about privileges. What is granted can also be revoked. The team hasn't gained anything, if we really have to frame it as such. I'd say they reclaimed their rights and freedoms, maybe at the expense of some privileges from people who deny the existence of such privileges 
anyways. So I think we can end really by concluding in one simple sentence: that is, rights and freedoms are not granted; they are given. Privileges are granted, and therefore can also be revoked. No matter when we are talking about racism, when we are talking about sexism, climate change, we think that it is more than valid for players to raise awareness to these issues, to kneel, to stop playing games, to raise awareness to these pressing issues in society. And so, as I've said in the last episode as well, this show and I think most supporters stand with the players in their decision. That's it for our show this week. If you liked the podcast, remember to rate, subscribe, and share it with your friends and family. We'll be back next week. Thank you again for listening. I'm Harry Chan, and this is the She Plays On Women's Football Podcast.